Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Distraction. Distraction is so commonplace in our world today. We lose track of our time, our passions, our calling. Embracing the mundane until what's important blurs out of view. But what if we took the time to recenter, to give precedence to what really matters, to forfeit routine in pursuit of the exceptional? What if we took the time to zone in, regroup, and focus? Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, we welcome you. Thank you for being a part of our service. Hey, I got to give it up for uh, Josh Eisenhower. Was he in here? Josh, where are you at? Stand up, bro. He works here, and he has made the sidewalks, the parking lots safe for us, and give him a good hand. Line a golf clap, all his hard work. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, tell him thank you, and thank you for all the guys and gals out there and everybody that's made us possible uh, during the winter season as well. Uh, so if you'd like to be on the parking lot team and your nose hairs freeze off, uh, please see Josh and Matt and others. Hey, I want you to mark on your calendar. I'm not worried about time today because there's only one service and you got nowhere to go where you're going to freeze. So we're just going to have a good family church uh, time right now. Mark on your calendar. I want you to pray for us too because uh, uh, we're in the middle of a fasting and prayer 21 days. But mark on your calendar the first weekend of March. Pencil that in. I'm praying that that is a Sunday that where we're really going to be casting vision for the rest of 2019 and beyond. Uh, pray uh, this Tuesday night, uh, myself and our, some of our staff are meeting with uh, our leaders on our advisory team and going through strategy and vision and stuff. So pray for that, would you? And um, I pray that you would be a part of that through prayer. And then we want to present to you certain things. We uh, uh, Some positions that need to be filled. Um, we're concerned about discipleship as well, our students as well, and different areas of our ministry. And we hope to have all that shored up by 2019's end and, and where we're heading. So I'm excited. These are exciting days. Uh, I think she said uh, 14 people or something accepted Christ in the last uh, couple weeks in the month of January. Yeah, you can clap for that. And so we have baptisms. It was awesome. I actually talked to a couple last week. Uh, we had someone who got saved last year and got baptized at last baptism service, and they brought their friends, and their friends have been coming ever since, and they signed up for baptisms last week. And so that just keeps happening. I'm thrilled about that uh, happening. Uh, how you doing on the fasting and praying? Uh, in our office, it's been a little touch and go, some grumpy people. Uh, Matt's given up coffee, uh, and so he can be a little grumpy. And then some people have given up different types of food and different things. And so I want you to keep reiterating to you, fast isn't to be legalistic about your relationship with Jesus. It's about you uh, arresting God's attention by you are going to focus on him and what he has for you. So maybe you've fallen off the wagon or, or you didn't keep your commitment. We'll start again today. I still plan to do the Facebook Live. If you didn't know, last week I did a Facebook Live. I'll be doing it again uh, this afternoon as well. So stay tuned for that. I'll be talking more about fasting and praying 
Uh, I've already heard many stories, and it's amazing what God does when you focus on him. So I'm excited about the sermon today. I hope you are too. If this is your first time, we've been really emphasizing the word focus. I believe we're going to talk about a subject today that is very important for us to focus spiritually. Now, I don't know your journey spiritually. I don't know who you are. I don't know what walk of life maybe you've come from. Maybe you are a seeker where you don't know if Jesus is real, or you wonder if Jesus, uh, uh, you're even good enough to have a relationship with him. Maybe you're here today, you've accepted Jesus as your savior, but you're not walking with him like you want to be. Maybe you're on the hilltop and you're excited about Jesus and what he's doing in your life. No matter what area of life you're in, we all know that life is messy and that things can happen in life to where it derails the focus, spiritually speaking. Before I get started, I want you to take your Bibles. I've really been emphasizing this the last three weeks. If you have a Bible, I want you to take it. Many people have asked. I had an email this week asked me, what version of the Bible do you use? I use the CSB. Uh, you ought to buy one so you can follow along. I know they have an app uh, too you can get, but I want you to really get in the habit of writing notes and getting your Bibles out and marking in your Bible this year. And so we're talking about the word focus. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and in, in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, there is a letter written from Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was his uh, a mentee. Uh, Paul was his, the mentor. And he's writing the last letter to him, and we've been talking about several things where Paul has been bringing uh, uh, Timothy's thoughts and the focus about serving Jesus. I I don't know about you when it comes to focus. I've got to tell you one of the biggest uh, things in my life that I fear, what gets me the most depressed and concerned is being useless. Being useless. I've, I've had some of that even in this problem I've had with a broken leg. I'm on the mend. Hey, i got to show you this. Are you ready? Hey, look at that. Woo, yeah, yeah, I can walk, it's a miracle. Uh, uh, I went to the doctor, he's in here, so I gotta be careful, he's gonna, uh, uh, but, uh, and, and um, uh, he told me I could put pressure on, I don't know if he told me I could do that, so let's just forget I did that, but um, I'm on the mint, but man, there's been times, even in my own life and family, where I felt useless. I, I sometimes, when it comes to the Christian life, for God, I have felt useless. Have you ever thought you're supposed to know the answer to life, but you don't? Have you ever thought that you're supposed to be able to tell someone about Jesus, but then you freeze up and you can't tell them about Jesus? Have you ever thought that you were supposed to be further along in your spiritual journey, but you find yourself questioning, downing, and wondering even if uh, you are useful for the kingdom of God? I think one of the most depressing moments in humanity is when we find ourselves on this earth and we feel useless as not only a believer, but we feel useless in the position that we hold. <coughs> useless as a parent, useless as a spouse, useless as a child, uh, useless as a, a worker uh, in the workforce. Whatever your title may be, whatever position God has given you, sometimes it causes us, life does, to feel useless. I think one of the most discouraging feelings is when you feel you have nothing to offer anyone, or at least you think that. I feel sorry for people who get in such a depressed state or they get in such a place where they throw their hands up and say, what is the use and, and why am I living this way and why am I trying so hard and why am I uh, wanting to make a difference in life? And so I, I want us to look at this today. I look at the landscape of society and I feel overwhelmed by all that is going on. The division in politics, the division with what we believe was immoral and moral. 
uh, how we treat each other. It's amazing to me. I think God slowed me down. And I told you last week, I'm starting to become an advocate for, for handicapped people. Uh, I've started noticing how bad that I have, I've had people try and run in front of me. I, I was in a, a wheelchair this past week going somewhere and, and the door was open and they ran in front of me and cut me off. And I wanted to make sure I took it in four by mode and ran them over in my wheelchair. And it, it's amazing to me how we treat each other. It's amazing to me how we live in our society. And it's all about us. It's about our family. It's about our marriage. It's about our career. It's about our finances. It's about if we feel good in society. And even it's bled over into church life. And so we look at our society and it can become confusing. And you start to ask yourself, why aren't you like that? And and why haven't you done that? And you hear inspiring stories, and so you compare yourself. If you look at Second Timothy chapter number 2, and I want you to read a couple verses of Scripture, and I want you to look at verse 20. Go with me to verse 20. It says this, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable Verse 21 says, so if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful. I want you to take your pen, if you mark in your Bible or write a note, I want you to write the word useful or underline the word useful. Say that word together, ready? Useful. Say it again like you mean it, ready? Useful. Useful to the master. Prepared for every good work. Let, let me say this to you real quick. Let me just give you a word, and, and if you get nothing else. Too many Christians are concerned about being successful instead of useful. God did not call you to success for Him. God called you to be useful for Him. Can I get you to throw away that in your vocabulary when it comes to the spiritual journey? It's not whether you're successful for a season. It's not whether you're successful for a lifetime. It's whether you're useful for the master, for the kingdom, whether you're useful for him. And as you look at those words, useful for the master, it really stuck out to me. God created us to be useful. And when we don't feel, you scared me there. Okay, uh, I thought, it's going down. And no one flinched. Okay, now I know how you feel about me. Thank you. Useful is defined as capable of being put to the use, especially serviceable for an end or purpose. I think often, even in my life, I just confess to you publicly that sometimes as a pastor, I look more at being successful than I do being useful. Successful in the spiritual journey is so carnally minded that it's not about us, it's about Jesus. And it's important for every Jesus follower in this room to push aside the word successful and start thinking about being useful. When you think about being useful and your circumstances go to pot, when you think about being useful and you're, you're in a discouraging season of your life, when you think about being useful and things aren't going your way, you don't get as discouraged because it's not whether you're successful. It's not the circumstance that makes you successful. It's not the Bible knowledge that makes you successful. It's not the friends or the lack of that makes you successful. But it's whether in those seasons of life you are looking to be useful for the master when it comes to your spiritual journey. Let me give you a background. Paul was writing Timothy. 
Paul was one of the greatest Christians to walk planet Earth. I'm convinced of it. But Paul died in a prison cell. Paul, to man's eye, was not successful. But to the kingdom of God, he was useful. Timothy was being taught by one of the greatest Christians ever that it's not about the success of ministry. It's not about the success of your children. It's not about the success of your marriage. It's not about the success of your career. It's not about the success of life, but it's about being useful for the very one who created you and not only created you, but saved you. And let me tell you a word, my friend, that you may be depressed, you may be discouraged, and you may be wondering if life is worth it, but God created you and he has a plan for you and he doesn't want you successful for the kingdom he wants you useful for the kingdom of God and being useful sometimes means going through hardship being useful sometimes means going through things that you did not think you would go through a couple of months ago Mary who's a our church receptionist and does a lot around here Mary's been employed here on our staff for many years and she had foot surgery and she drove in with this scooter with this basket one day and uh, I started to tease her a little bit and started to give her a hard time. And she goes, you just wait. You're going to get old enough one day to have to use something like this. And then two days later, I broke my leg and now I'm using her scooter. <laughs> that scooter did not seem significant to me. I thought it was borderline silly in that older people use scooters. If you take my scooter from me, I'll kill you right now. You see, it's not about me feeling that the scooter is significant for someone else until I need the scooter, right? It's the same thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. We so often look for success and compare ourselves and try and fit in and and try and, and think successful thoughts when God is looking down and saying, all I want you to be is useful for the master. Useful. Useful for the master. And as we look at today, I want you to think of the word useful. I want you to go back to verse 14 because I want you to underline something before I, I get into things. Paul, in verses 14 through 20, was sharing with Timothy how to be useful for the master. This is how we're useful. Here at Hamilton Hills Church, we're not looking for success in being the largest church in this county. We're not looking to be the most well known. We're not looking to be perfect. We're not looking to have it all together. We're not looking to to be the one that has all the programs to meet everybody's needs because that's impossible. But we want to be useful for what God wants us to be for the kingdom. And if you look what Paul says, anybody can be useful for the master. Because in verse 14, he shares with everyone how to be useful. I want you to notice what he says. In verse 14, he says, remind them of these things. You ought to write down the word remind, underline the word remind, remind them. So I want you to say two words with me, remind and useful. Ready, say them, remind and useful, remind and useful. To be useful for the master is to remind people of the truth of the word of God. To be useful for the master is not to show your talents off. To be useful for the master, it has nothing to do with wealth. To be useful for the master has nothing to do with eloquent eloquent speech. To be useful for the master has nothing to do with what you may have in mind. Being useful for the master is simply to be able to to, to, to remind people of the truth of God's word. You see, the truth of God's word. Let me explain. 
If you look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 14, he says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to ruin of those who listen. I want you to get a picture of the background. This is Paul writing to Timothy, a pastor, about ministry. Some of the biggest uh, things of disunity is people arguing with their opinions. Churches are destroyed all over our nation, inside out, not outside in. When people arrive, including pastors, to the point where there's all the wealth of knowledge and they have their opinions and they, they have all what they think church should be. What happens is they get argument and all of a sudden unity disappears because we've arrived because we can pay the light bill and maybe someone else's too. And before you know it, the blessings of God are off that church. And there's this unity. And Paul was reminding Timothy to lead the right way. If you're a leader in this church... If you, you pursue to lead in the kingdom, unity is not on style or opinion. Unity is on the word of God and fleshing it out. Not successful. Useful. Not successful. I know that's hard. We live in Hamilton County. But useful. I want you to see what Paul was teaching Timothy here. Here's the first statement I want you to write down. Useful Christians remind others of the truth. Useful Christians remind others of the truth. Look at with me in verse 14. It says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Did you get that? Paul says, don't fight over words, don't fight over opinions, don't fight over those things because it's going to lead to ruin. Timothy was to remind the church of truth of God as taught, written by Paul. This true and useful teaching is contrasted with the useless in verse 14. Arguing about words that some were apparently doing. Useless arguments about words would only lead to ruin. Ruin. It's important to note that this is not an attack on biblical word studies. It's not an attack on using Greek or Hebrew to study scripture or carefully defining theological terms. What seems to be in mind is the type of argument that is really not about listening to others and increasing knowledge. This type of argument is the type that leads to ruin. It is self-centered and it's harsh when we focus on that. Have you heard the saying, the discussion generated more heat than light? Ever heard that? That's what Paul was implying. There seems to always be a person always looking for a debate or a fight. In other words, a new terminology, internet trolls. You ever heard that term? Debating online. Arguing online about things. Internet trolls. Radio hosts who always have a hot take. And want to argue with their listeners or Bible college students who take a few Bible classes and want to debate every theological topic with everyone they meet. That didn't go over well, but it's true. Trust me. I must say there are many who claim to be Jesus followers and stand for truth that are just looking to overcome their insecurity and feel smarter than the rest of us. It's just as important the way you deliver the truth as it is that you tell the truth. 
Coming across better than everyone else will hurt the cause and render you useless. Useless. And so it's important for us, even if we have theological knowledge of the Word of God, we've been given that knowledge not to beat people over the head with it. We've been given that knowledge equipped for our homes, equipped for our families, and equipped for our, fa- uh, uh, our future and our community so that we can bring more people to Christ. And so useful Christians remind others of the truth of the Word of God by teaching them those ways, and that helps them be useful. Here's here's the second thing I want you to write down. A useful Christian studies the truth. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 18. He says, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. He names two people who I'm not going to pronounce their names so you can make fun of me on this snowy day. But you look at this passage of scripture and you look at the phrase, be diligent. Write that down, be diligent. Underline, mark that, be diligent. Is also translated as do your best in the NIV. Work hard in the NLT. Study in the KJV. Paul mentions this same concept again in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. In this passage, Paul reminds Timothy of the significance of God's word as well as its ability to make a Christian complete and equipping for every good work. My friend, we can sing songs, we can encourage each other, but it has to be off the basis of each individual learning to study God's word for themselves and apply the truth. The word of God must be the cornerstone. The word of God must be the end all. The word of God must be where we look to when we go to the road ahead and make sure that everyone is under the subjection of God's word. And if we are going to be useful for the master, then we must study God's word ourselves, not just quote scripture from Sunday school when we were 10 years old. That would have been a good time to cheer, clap, say, you're right, pastor. Don't do it now. You're, you're, just, you're just humoring me. I'm just teasing, not really. A commentator named Guthrie writes this, It is one thing solemnly to charge others, and quite another thing to take oneself in hand. The most effective refutation of error is for the teacher to be living embodiment of the truth with God's approval upon him. Can you dive into that statement? Is that statement on the screen? I don't think we have it. Never mind. Let me read it one more time. It is one thing solemnly to charge others and quite another one to take oneself in hand. And the most effective way he's saying is for us to study the word of God, embody the truth ourselves, so we have God's approval on our hand. There's something there's some discussion regarding the best way to translate and understand the phrase correctly teaching. In verse 15, some other translations read as follows, rightly handling, accurately handling, correctly handles, and rightly dividing. But he writes the word translated correctly 
handles is a metaphor that literally means to cut straight. There has been considerable speculation regarding the metaphor itself as to what been considered speculation. What kind of cutting? Wood, stones in this passage of Scripture may have been in mind. Christian Gray, who is here, and my son helped do our floors. And it's amazing to me when construction happens in my home that I become the errand boy and not the carpenter. There was a saw and Stephen was cutting wood and I picked up one of the pieces of wood and I tried to cut one piece and all of a sudden Stephen said, why don't you go do this over here while I do the cutting? I take big offense to that. But I think if I would have continued cutting, our floor would not look the way it looks right now. And that metaphor you think about, those cuts are so important. Those little tiny areas that they have to put that floor in is so important. And when we teach the Word of God and study it ourselves, it's so important to get the finished product right. Churches have seasons of growth. They have seasons of of going down in growth. They have seasons of financial success. They have seasons of missions and seasons of not. But one thing has to be steady as we as God's people have to understand that the cutting of God's word has to always be on our mind so that we get the finished product right through years. Two years doesn't make us successful in ministry, but decades will really tell the truth of being useful For the master. Are you with me? So I challenge you. Paul again contrasts true and false teachers. Paul again condemns irreverent and empty speech in verse 16. He compares it to verse 14. and verse 18, Paul adds heresy to the description of these false teachers. Paul specifically notes a heresy regarding the final resurrection of believers. Verse 18 resulted in the ruining of the faith of some people. Paul compares this type of false teaching to gangrene. This word is also translated as cancer or infection. Whatever disease Paul had in mind, his point is clear. False teaching is serious. And if left unchecked by the truth, will spread with fatal results. So, so, so you say, Pastor Mark, what are you saying? I'm saying if you don't study the word, you can mix in living, moral, living, humanly, the right way mixed in with the truth of God's word that is more of your opinion than it is God's absolute truth. You may have a right in your mind to do what you want to do, but it's important for you to cut through the truth of God's word so that you can be useful for the master. This is so off script. Again, you got nowhere to go. Uh, Let me say this to you. Many people confuse blessing and favor. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But we've used that word favor, especially teachers of God's word, and it has been heresy we've taught. Favor is not an inward project for the Christian. You are given favor to be useful for the kingdom of God. I've heard people say, oh, we got a, we got a parking space in the front. God showed me favor. I just don't believe that. 
Favor is something God gives you to expand his kingdom. He gives you favor in conversations. He gives you favor in life. Not for you to enjoy yourself, but for you to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so favor has become so confusing because we're not cutting the word of God. If God shows you favor, it's not for you to stand on a soapbox and tell everybody how great you are and that you just just got this and you got this and you got this. If people tell you they gain Humanly, through favor, they're looking at it all wrong because you may be blessed, but when you are given favor, the kingdom expands. Stay with me. I've lost half of you, but I'm going to gain you back. If a person noticed something that was irregular with his health, such as possible tumor or skin disease, he would want to get medical attention. At the doctor's office, the the patient would want to know and apply medical truth to a situation. In a similar way, the church as the body of Christ must be on the lookout for false teaching that can spread, cause lasting spiritual damage. Are you with me? I'm not going to tell you today, if you give to our church, God's going to give you a new car. I'm going to tell you, if you work real hard and you manage your money, you may be able to buy a new car. I'm stretching you just a little bit. Favor and blessing and usefulness must be used in the right terminology. And when we look at God's word, we have to look at it like the dog. I broke my leg. I looked down at my leg. I won't, I won't get real gross with you, but it wasn't pointing in the right direction. And I was hoping it was a sprained ankle. <laughs> and I looked at Stephen and Jonathan and I said, you think it's sprained? And they were like, maybe. <laughs> we went to the ER. I'm laying on a bed moaning and the nurse goes out of the room and the x-ray person, whatever they're called, comes in. And I said, do you think it could be sprained? She goes, I'm going to let the doctor tell you that. But man, when the doctor told me it was broke, I listened. I went to the ortho and had surgery and instructions about what to do to heal the broken bone when to take this medicine and what to do about this and when to walk. I'm going to physical therapy tomorrow in the name of Jesus. I'm going to drive again because everybody in my house cannot drive. What do you do when you want your body healed? You listen to the doctor who's giving you truth that has been tested through time that will heal your body. My friend, I know you don't want to hear this today because it's not, it's not real pretty. But if we as a church want to be useful for the master, it's not our feelings. It's not our emotions. It's not the Hamilton Hills nation. It's for us to learn that we must feast on the word of God ourselves and understand that we've got to cut it in our life so that we can apply it to ourselves and be ambassadors of God's truth, not our opinion, so we can help change the world. Here's the last one. I want you to write this. A useful Christian applies the truth to his own life. A useful Christian applies the truth to his own life. God's convicted me of this. Before I give my opinion spiritually about another brother or sister, 
I need to take inventory of my own spiritual life. Right? Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Stay with me. I'm landing the plane. Even in the face of false teaching, Paul reminds Timothy, the pastor, that God's solid foundation stands firm no matter what. God's truth will not ultimately be defeated by false teaching. Every house, every cause needs a foundation. God's truth is the ultimate foundation. It will stand firm. A theologian makes the following point regarding the word inscription in verse 19. The Greek literally says, having this seal. What is intended is the seal or ownership that the architect or owner would have inscribed on the foundation stone. You go to our children's center, that that door, there's, there's stone inscribed with a Bible verse about training our children. There's an inscription That's the word of God. And a Christian who applies God's truth will not be perfect and will still sin and fall. However, the response of those who study the truth and belong to the Lord is a desire to turn away from the wickedness of life. And so so here's, here's the stretch in our life. In this passage of scripture, the vessels for honorable use would have been used for meals or other special tasks, and the vessels for dishonorable use may have been used to collect trash or human waste. Paul shifts his metaphor slightly when he discusses the need for people like vessels to be purified. Paul may be thinking of the various items used in the tabernacle and the temple. These Items needed to be cleansed and set apart in order to be acceptable for the priest to use. Stay with me. So not any utensil could go into the tabernacle. They had to be clean. They had to sit. They had to be purified. And if we want to be useful for the master, we're messy people. There's people in this room that are hurting. That song that was just sung has been my life anthem For the past couple weeks, I'm sorry because I don't want to make it about success. I don't want to make it about me succeeding in life. It's not about me feeling good. It's not about me or you winning. It's not about our church being successful, but it's about us being useful for the master. It's about us taking the former agnostic who accepted Christ last year and making him a disciple. 
It's about us taking the atheist and, and he accepted Christ this year and taking next steps in his life. It's not about us looking like the church that's a museum for saints, but it's about us being practitioners in a hospital for sinners. It's about us understanding that people fail. It's about us understanding that people uh, have downs and ups in life. It's about understanding that divorce is messy and it happens. It's about us understanding that there are wayward children in our congregation, but when we stand truth on the word of God and show unity and love, movement happens when God's people don't only just tell the truth, but they study the truth and they live it in their own life because the truth oozes out of them in love. And then you see life change through Christ. So I've compelled in knowledge the last two weeks. I'm simply as the under shepherd of this church compelling to your heart. I've been here a little over four years Some of you thought I wouldn't make it that long. I've even broke my leg and I'm still here. Those were all jokes and you didn't laugh. But I'm simply saying, we've seen a lot. It hasn't been perfect. What keeps coming to the back of my mind is over 200 people accepted Christ. We have many people who are just coming back to church. We have brokenness in this room and outside of this room. And we have a city and a county need us to be useful for the master so I'm not asking you to have unity on stylistic issues I'm asking you to have unity on our mission that life is messy anything's possible with God I'm asking you to recommit yourself to being people who rightly divide the truth and those of you that have been a Christian for years to help us make disciples of those who've been a Christian for a year. I'm asking you all together for us as we embark on a journey that God gives us in 2019 for us to focus. Focus on the word usefulness for the master. And I repent of my things in my life that have been roadblocks for usefulness because I want to be at the end of my journey to say I may not be perfect my life can be a little messy my jokes can be corny but I want to cut through the truth of God's word and I want us to leave here equipped And I want to show the world that he is alive. He can change your life. And from the hardest heart, he can be changed. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, You can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.